Welcome everyone. My name is Emma Ruby and I am the host today. Thank you for tuning in to our new BHSC podcast initiative titled, So You Don't Want to Be a Doctor. The aim of this series is to shed light on career paths outside of medicine and to be a resource to fellow BHSC students. Through this initiative, we hope to pique new interests, help break down the BHSC stereotype, and provide tangible advice to students who are thinking of exploring different post-undergrad pathways. With that said, let me first introduce you to our guest today, Sean Yo. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation today. Hello, and thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited for today's session. That's great to hear. So why don't we start off with a bit of an introduction, if you don't mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. I'm Sean. I am currently in my first year at the Dalalana School of Public Health uh, Masters of Public Health program. And for those of you who don't know, the Dalalana School is essentially the University of Toronto's graduate school for public health sciences and related fields. So there's a few other similar disciplines under this broader umbrella. Uh, I'm specifically doing an epidemiology specialization as part of my Masters of Public Health. And I was part of the BHSC class of 2021. So I am fresh out of undergrad, still figuring things out. But again, it's nice to see a familiar face in terms of Emma here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm giving this um, interview today because me and Sean go way back, but not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great to hear. Could you tell us a little bit more about your day-to-day -day life um, in the Master of Public Health program? For sure. And I think one of the things that kind of struck me recently is how similar yet different things are to life in BHSC undergrad. Like, because uh, I'm still doing a course-based master's, which means most of the credits towards my degree for, come from uh, enrolling in courses and doing the assignments for those courses and so on and so forth. So I still have those weekly lectures, weekly tutorials, weekly kind of lab assignments that I go to. And these are designed to equip me with different qualitative, quantitative skills in the realm of public health, but also some extraneous things like I'm still involved in a lot of group work just like I was in undergrad. I think each of my courses this semester has some group component to it. So I'm finding that I'm spending quite a bit of time in group meetings, figuring things out with my group and working things out with my group. Uh, last semester, more so than this semester, but I was also involved with an extracurricular uh, component, uh, the student-led conference at the Dalana School of Public Health hosts where I helped out on the more social media side of things. So again, it was kind of weird because, you know, in grad programs, at least coming in, I wasn't expecting to be doing much extracurricular or didn't even realize extracurriculars were a thing that really continued onward. So it was weird seeing that piece carry forward. But yeah, I think what strikes me is, like I said earlier, it feels very similar to life in undergrad. And I feel like things being online might have made that transition a bit more smoother, seeing as I ended undergrad online and I'm starting this next chapter online. But yeah, so far, it's a good mix of familiarity with a spice of difference in there to keep things interesting. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, I, I'm glad that there's been a good transition between undergrad and um, grad school. So that's great. Um, so what is like some of, I guess you're not really working in the, in the profession yet because this is just your first year, um, but 
what is the general environment when you are in group meetings? Um, what are your peers like? Um, how, how do you kind of connect with them? Yeah, so I think one thing, because uh, Emma and I were talking earlier, and one thing that came up was, it's kind of strange being on the younger side of the cohort again, after, you know, leaving BHSC as part of the older group. I say older, like a few years difference, really, but still leaving BHSC as a fourth year and going back into uh, the program here at Dalalana as a first year. But on top of just coming back as a first year, what I'm finding is a lot of the other students in my cohort are from all sorts of different walks of life. There's a few other people like me who are coming straight out of undergrad, but there's arguably more people who are coming uh, to this program after being out of school for five to 10 years, uh, who have started entire careers since leaving their undergrad, uh, who are coming to this program in order to change careers after serving a sentence in the other, uh, people who are coming from different countries, people who have started their own families. So on, on one hand, having so many different people from so many different life experiences was a bit intimidating at first in the sense that here I was coming in with four years of undergrad, whereas people had entire life experiences under their belt. But, you know, I'm starting to appreciate that more in terms of the fact that people have so many different backgrounds means they have so many different angles and ways of interpreting problems that we face and giving these unique solutions, which really does make things more exciting. And I think that is ultimately uh, one thing I'm gaining from this program beyond just the courses, hearing uh, what other people have to say. And it's as much of a benefit as it was initially a bit of an obstacle to get over that intimidation. Yeah, that that exposure to that much diversity of, <laughs> of people's backgrounds is something you don't get in undergrad. So I'm glad that you've had that experience and that exposure. Um, and I'm sure it can only be beneficial to, um, you know, working with people and especially in public health um, that affects everyone. So that's very important. Um, that's great. So I guess, I don't know if this is backpedaling at all, but why don't we talk about why you chose this program um, that you're in now? That's a good question. And I think, I don't want to go on like a back in the day type tangent, but um, in high school, when it came to uh, figuring out which undergrad program I was going to apply to, uh, one thing I found myself doing is, even back then, I kind of knew I did have some interest in health, but it was never really in the medicinal or biological side of things. In fact, I had largely applied to geography or environmental science programs. And if I'm being honest, applying to health sciences was sort of a compromise uh, with my parents. So right from the beginning, I already kind of had these doubts about, is this what I want to do? Is this exactly what I see myself doing five, 10 years down the line? And one thing I did appreciate is uh, during my time in undergrad, while I was taking uh, these health science courses and taking the geography courses I was more interested in as electives, I was starting to see these overlaps in the two fields in terms of, well, there's a lot of relationships that exist between where someone lives and how that affects their health. And to me, that, that was really what kind of drew me back into health, even if I wasn't really interested on what was going on at the individual level in terms of what's happening biologically or chemically or anatomically, I was really enjoying this kind of figuring out the patterns that define health in terms of entire populations, in terms of those 
big macroscopic factors. So I think it was this gradual process that started to get me to appreciate more uh, what I would eventually understand is the core of public health, this idea of understanding health beyond the level of the individual and in terms of the community. And I think that problem solving thing, uh, side of things in terms of uh, creating solutions through broad strokes rather than person to person, that's really what drew me in and ultimately got me on course to looking into public health as a uh, master's program. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I really like that approach um, that I guess public health takes, but also that you clearly are passionate about as well, that kind of broad ecological model. I know that's often used, um, well, for myself, who's in the child health specialization, that's used to describe you know, the child as, as they go through development and there's so many different systems working together uh, to support this individual. Um, it sounds like the same could be said for public health as well. So yeah, I really like that approach. Um, so I guess you talked about some things that you like, but are there any, some, any downsides um, to, I guess, the program you're in or generally public health challenges that you're kind of starting to realize by, by being in this program? One thing that comes to mind, and I think COVID-19, as much as I hate to draw that subject back, but it's kind of inevitable, inevitable in the field of uh, public health, but it's kind of made me realize that there are a lot of big issues that are frankly a bit disheartening in terms of they, they seem so immovable. And in many ways they are in terms of what one individual can do. But I think one thing I have to keep reminding myself is sure it seems disheartening and it seems like this insurmountable problem that one person could never hope to you know overcome but I think it's important to remember that it's never just the one individual uh, at play here but it is something that I'm finding that while I came into this program kind of a bit naively thinking I'm gonna solve all these problems I'm gonna make this world a better place and you know I still have some of those aspirations I'm kind of being faced with the reality of it uh, in some ways, in terms of making me realize that sometimes the solutions are, there's a reason they haven't been implemented quite yet. Even if things in Siri sound good, there's a lot of politics, for instance, that are at play and that are, for better or for worse, a reality of what it seems like public health entails. But yeah, there are still plenty of ways to get involved in plenty of ways that uh, you can contribute to these problems for sure. But I think part of this first initial semester has really kind of made me face that uh, the ways in which you approach these issues are a bit more multidimensional and perhaps more complicated than I had initially assumed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. Just the, I guess the, the mental toll or, or how you can be so hard on yourself for wanting so badly to be able to make this change or to to make things better and find solutions but um yeah kind of faced with that reality that that's just not really possible mm -hmm. um or requires a lot more um coordination and um working with other i guess systems at play so yeah that sounds tough um so thank you for sharing that um just going through my questions here. Um, so what are some stereotypes about your grad program? Um, if you have any, I know you're really just in your first year, but um, 
are there any stereotypes or like myths that you think you'd want to debunk here? That is a good question. Uh, I don't really know too many stereotypes specifically about uh, graduate students studying public health sciences. I feel like that's very niche demographic to make stereotypes above. But actually, there is one thing that um, I don't know if it's necessarily a stereotype or just something that uh, some people do, but not others. But I guess that is what a stereotype is. And so, you know, just scratch that last part. We can cut that out. <laughs> we can edit that. But one thing that comes to mind is I know a lot of people, I won't say a lot of people, some people have this preconception that, you know, especially at UFT where the graduate program is fairly short, just uh, two years, uh, or I know there's other graduate programs where it's just one year, a lot of people kind of see it as like, you, you do this and then you move on to, for instance, going to med or doing something else. Like they kind of see this as an intermediary step as opposed to or I should say an intermediate step towards a different plan as opposed to pursuing this further down public health. And, you know, I do see the value in terms of doing this and then looking into med as an option. And I do see, you know, some value and some uh, ways in which you can benefit from having that interdisciplinary experience, but I don't think it's in any way the only way forward uh, from this sort of degree or this sort of discipline. And I do think there is a lot of opportunity in the field of public health as is. Again, I'm not sure how exactly the stereotype, if it even exists or how prominent it is. Maybe it's something I just made up on the spot, but that was the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, one thing you mentioned was that some people see it as like, um, like a, I guess, an intermediary step before going into medicine. Um, I guess a question I have is, do you see kind of the opposite? Do you see clinicians and practicing physicians come back and say, I want to do a master of public health? Like, do you, is that common? I actually say it's fairly common. I mean, just speaking anecdotally from, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of the peers in my classes are from all sorts of different walks of life. And I am seeing quite a few of them are coming from careers in medicine. I know a few people who worked in OBGYN or in uh, emergency room care and are either deciding to pivot towards a more public health oriented role or are, you know, exploring their options and seeing what public health can add uh, to their current practice or even changing careers altogether. And it's interesting uh, seeing people with a physician background coming into this role and offering their insights in a way that synthesizes with what I'm learning now. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that clinicians and um, practicing physicians have a very unique role and perspective to bring in, in public health. You know, they are the ones on the front lines interacting mm. with patients and um, seeing, you know, the public health policies and guidelines put into practice. So I can imagine that's a very useful perspective to have. Um, speaking of career paths, I, I didn't even ask you, but do you have any future plans or um, hopes for what you want to do with your, your Master of Public Health? I think the problem and the beauty of it in a way is that I've got too many plans almost and there are, it's almost as if every time I get a step closer to seeing something I like and figuring out how to get there, it kind of opens up more paths in terms of, well, I could do this instead, or I could follow this path in a slightly less conventional way and that lead me here. So there are a few different things that have caught my eye. And I guess one of them uh, right off the bat would be, you know, working as part of 
uh, government institution in public health, you know, being responsible for that behind the scenes work in terms of formulating responses to public health emergencies. Another one that caught my eye is education. I kind of am really appreciating some of the work that my professors are doing, and I'm kind of thinking, could I ever see myself in that role? And I guess as the days go on, I kind of maybe through osmosis of uh, appreciation of what they do, kind of think, maybe I can see myself in that role. But I think I'm still at a point where uh, I'm trying to figure out from that entire mess of possible opportunities, which one I want to set foot on. And while I think it's great to have all those options, it's also something I've got to start thinking about in terms of, well, where do I narrow things down? And maybe it's something that uh, will come to me more naturally the more I progress in this program. And once I get the chance to get some uh, in-work experience or in-field experience as part of a co-op I have upcoming this summer. Mm -hmm. Do you want to speak more to that co-op? Or I guess you you might not <laughs> have much more information, but um, maybe you could speak to the, the co-ops that are offered or the types of practicums that um, students in your program can do. Yeah, for sure. So uh, from what I've gathered, which is uh, kind of scattered pieces of information throughout, and what I've gathered from my initial applying to the programs or the practicum options that are available, it's essentially an opportunity for first years to experience what it's like working in a more, or I should say, less classroom style setting. And it's quite interesting seeing how many different uh, placements offer positions to students in terms of there's quite a few government bodies, such as the Ontario Public Health Agencies, that offer up positions. You can do work with uh, universities, more in the line of research. You can be involved more in the writing of briefs or reporting of policy with NGOs. And it's really cool seeing that there's a diversity of experiences that are being offered. And while it is cool, it's also kind of throwing more things at me that make me try and think, oh god, there's more options for me to consider and more options that I am inevitably going to want to explore. Uh, so it's an interesting dynamic, but it, it's really cool that we have this option to uh, very soon, like just a year after uh, starting this program, getting real world experience. And I do know that um, next year we do have the option of substituting some of our courses for a second practicum or a second co-op. So that's an interesting avenue I might end up exploring, but also very soon to say. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it's a pretty daunting thing to have so many options, but um, so mm -hmm. much unknown. So I can imagine that's a stressful time. Um, one kind of random question I thought of, because um, you mentioned that this program is course-based. Are there any masters of public health programs that you know of that are, you know, more of a research or thesis based? Because um, I know, I mean, research is a very prominent thing in public health as well. Right. One thing that comes to mind is, and I'm kind of scratching the back of my brain in order to remember which courses offered what in the application process for when I was applying to public health programs. I believe it was the McGill epidemiology program or it, perhaps it's the McGill Public Health, because there's a public health program and an epidemiology program at McGill, and mm -hmm. both are slightly separate. Uh, but one of them were, was very thesis-based in the sense that even coming into the program, you had to identify a potential supervisor and start looking for a supervisor before you were even accepted. 
uh, just as part of the process. So I think McGill was one of them. And I believe there are others as well. I don't want to give misinformation in terms of saying a university that has a thesis-based program and then it turns out it doesn't, but there are definitely uh, more research-oriented experiences out there. Yeah, for sure. No, that's great to hear. Um, yeah, just for if some of our listeners wanted to kind of explore different routes to um, work in public health and be in public health, that's it's good to know that there are possible different routes there. Mm -hmm. Um, so switching gears a little bit, just because you are a BHSC alumnus, um, I, my question is, do you think BHSC prepared you well for, um, your program? I'd say yes and no, and I'll kind of go into what I mean by that, um, in terms of, well, one thing I will say is from the beginning, coming from someone who kind of wanted to do geography and kind of dragged my feet uh, in terms of joining this uh, BHSC program, it was kind of a weird experience where on one hand, I know coming in, it's not quite 100% what I wanted to do. At the same time, I don't think I'd be on this path if not for the fact that I was in BHSC and that it kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of look beyond what I thought my interests were and what my interests were at the time and sort of adapting them and molding them into what they are now. So in that one regard, I do have BHSE to say, but also in terms of like the skills I've learned both implicitly and explicitly uh, through BHSE, I do see quite a few that transfer over. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is group work in BHSC. Uh, believe it or not, I actually did do quite a bit in terms of prepping me uh, for, uh, especially in terms of comparing the group work I did in BHSC compared to what I did in high school. I, I do think that there was a certain, and I promise I'm not being uh, paid to say this, but there was a certain uh, beauty in the inquiry style of learning that I am finding I'm carrying forward in terms of how do you figure stuff out on your own without being told to look for something explicitly? Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I'm thinking more so towards like uh, biochem and cell bio in second year where we did work in a group to very independently explore these different topics without being handheld uh, through the process. I am finding that some of the skills I kind of implicitly picked up there in terms of knowing what makes good research or knowing how to find research is really coming back in a very useful and tangible way. Yeah, that that sounds great. Um, and I, I can only imagine because you mentioned that you work with such a diverse group of people uh, mm -hmm. in your program. I can only imagine that BHSE prepared you well um, for working with a diverse group of people and um, yeah, kind of developing those transferable skills to this setting. So that's good. Um, so I guess moving on to the application process, I know it's been almost a year now since you've applied, um, but do you wanna to speak to that a little bit? Um, you know, how, how was the process? What was included in the process? Right, and from what I remember for uh, this program, specifically for the master's program at the Dalai School of Public Health, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because I know you have some familiarity with the process as well. But yeah. uh, from what I remember, it was mainly the uh, supplementary application uh, where you provide, it was essentially a cover letter, kind of going over what your relevant experiences were and kind of telling your story in terms of why you were interested in this program and what you thought you could benefit 
uh, from the program, as well as what you could contribute to the program. Uh, so that was one piece. I believe sending in the CV slash resume was another piece. And the third piece, if I'm remembering correctly, was including uh, two reference letters uh, for people who will vouch for you. I think one had to be academic or I think one had to be academic, one had to be career-based, or that could be for the McGill application. Uh, but there were definitely two reference letters at the very least. Mm -hmm. And I think just to add on, because I also have familiarity, as Sean was saying, I think um, you had to fill out for your specific stream, epidemiology, like a statistics requirement uh, form to show that you completed, uh, yes, you're right. yeah, uh, completed those statistics uh, requirements. Um, yeah, that's great. So and were there any interviews or anything? Uh, not for this program, not for uh, UFT, but there were other programs that I applied to that I believe did have an interview component. Uh, for mm -hmm. instance, UBC, uh, from what I remember, had a video interview. It might have just been because of COVID, where you had to uh, send in recorded answers. And I'm not too sure how typical it is for uh, these programs not to have interviews. Uh, it was during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, so I'm not sure whether the lack of interviews was an exception or the norm, but from what I remember, only one had the interview component of the few different public health programs I applied to. Gotcha. Good to know. Um, yeah, that's great. I'm just going through my questions here. Um, so we're almost near the end, but uh, one question I wanted to ask was, do you have any advice to current fourth years? I mean, you've been giving me some really great advice, um, <laughs> but but do you have, you know, what would be a, the, your biggest piece of advice to current fourth years going through the application process? One thing I will say, and I'll have two pieces of advice, I guess. One that's more general for fourth years in general, and one that's more uh, public health application oriented and I'll start with the public health application oriented first because I think it'll make more sense that way but in terms of those of you who are applying uh, for public health programs after uh, BHSC or who have hopes to apply for them uh, I think one component that's pretty even across the board is all of them requires this sub app or a cover letter essentially asking you to as I said earlier to describe yourself to describe why this program is a good fit for you and I found one thing to be quite useful in that regard is uh, even if you don't have explicit public health experience, like even if you didn't do volunteering with a public health agency or uh, work in a public health role, which I imagine very, very few people do right out of undergrad, I don't think you necessarily need to in order to demonstrate why you're interested or why you have shown you're interested. Because ultimately, one thing I find is that a lot of things relate back to public health. And it's such a wide and interdisciplinary field that you can really draw those connections. And as long as you can show those connections and show that you understand and have sought over this connection between what you've done and how they can be meaningfully related back to public health, then I do think that's a pretty strong as any uh, mark you can leave on your SAP app. And I just, thinking out loud here, I know some people in my program who come from not even health-related programs, people who are coming from uh, disciplines like engineering or law who have taken similar approaches in their uh, SUP app in terms of highlighting how, even though they haven't explicitly been brought up in a public health environment, they have skills that can transfer over. And sometimes these unique 
outside of public health areas of expertise really do a wonder in terms of you know showing new uh, perspectives. Now, in terms of advice for the more general non-interested in public health um, health sides, uh, one thing that comes to mind is we are, and I'm saying this like in general, we are all still fairly young. Like I am, it's not just something I'm telling myself, I am 22, but we are still uh, fairly young and we have a lot of time to figure stuff out. So I know quite a few of my friends um, and even myself to some degree, I wasn't 100% sure what was next for me uh, after undergrad. And I, on one hand, wanted to keep my options open. And on the other hand, wasn't too... 100% sure if what I was interested in now would be what I could be seeing myself doing five, 10 years down the line. But ultimately, I think it's okay if we don't have a 10-step plan to a given destination. And anything we plan right now might not necessarily be where we end up in the future. And I know one thing I kind of took for granted or rather overlooked back in fourth year was you know, the value of taking a gap here. It's not something I wound up doing. And even looking back, I 100% know if it's something I would do, but speaking with friends who did take gap years, it is a very incredibly useful experience to have in order to, you know, pace yourself a bit, in order to you not know, rush yourself, in order to do things that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do right off the bat if you had taken that early, lap, uh, early leap to uh, the next step. And sometimes there is value in just, you know, taking some time to figure out where you're at and what comes next. And while there is a lot of pressure to uh, figure out things very quickly and have this very concrete plan of what you're going to do for the rest of your life, I do think it's okay if you don't know 100% what's next. We are, you know, not to be overly optimistic, like a fifth of the way in our average lives, that is more than enough time to figure out what we're gonna be doing for the rest of it. Thank you for those wise words. I, <laughs> I, you are, you have so much wisdom to share, Sean. I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> true, but. No, it's good to hear. Um, and one thing when you were saying that all, one thing that I thought of was, um, you know, for myself, I, I have this feeling that I, I want to just remain in this comfortable little bubble of academia that I've been in for my entire life. And it's, mm. it's the thought of entering a pro the professional world or taking time off between undergrad and another postgrad pursuit is, is really scary to me. And so I just, I like, I like to have a plan um, that kind of allows me to preserve this bubble of, of schooling that I've been in for so long. But I think what you say and, and talking about, you know, taking a gap year in the value and finding yourself in, in taking that time is very important as well. Um, so thank you for sharing all of that. Um, so any final thoughts or things you would like to add before we wrap up? Ooh, no final thoughts really from me. Uh, the only thing I really have to say is a resounding thank you for having me on the podcast and I am glad I could take part. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean, for sharing your experiences and expertise, expertise with us. Um, yeah, it's incredibly valuable and I hope that our listeners can also take something because I know I, I certainly have took something from this conversation as well. So 
um, thank you. Um, so that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Um, stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks. Thanks for joining us today and a huge shout out to our guest speakers for sharing their story as well as the fourth year council interviewers who made this possible. If you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned for more in this series coming out every Friday of the week for the remainder of winter 2022. Until next time, stay safe and take care.